0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcast.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcast.org. Okay, part of the a 5780. Guys, I am sorry about two things. Number one, that I wasn't able to make the copies because the, um, I, I just got back. And number two, that it's casual Thursday today, so no tie. I'm going with the no tie look, okay? That's oh, perfectly wow. fine. Like That's good. right. Now, I'm very happy, very happy I got the jacket. Okay, so here we go. Perek Tes Pasuk We're going to talk about the seventh Makkah. If you haven't seen what I said about the last six Makkahs, about all the Makkahs, this is our last shir about the Makkahs. We've done, Svar, Aruv, and now Barad. This is going to be our big one says It's gonna be a really heavy hail. That has never appeared in Mitzrayim from the day that it was founded up until now. And Chavdal says it was a hail. There was a fire that was within the hail, That have never has never been seen in time since Mitzrayim was a nation. That's in Paschal Chavdala. So Yud Chas and Chavdala describing the hail itself. And I'm going to go through this quickly. So try to stay with me here, okay? Rosh says, Keismachar means that Moshe who stood in front of Paro made a scratch in the wall where the sun's rays were hitting at that moment and said at this time tomorrow the hail is going to begin the hail is going to begin right then when i go like that that's when the hail is going to begin the gurari says that by Dever, he said the same thing but a little bit different he said tomorrow you're going to see Dever. tomorrow Dever is going to happen right that's what it's going to be he didn't make any scratches on the wall and the reason why is because the animals were all over the fields there would be no way to tell exactly when Dever started because the animals were everywhere and everybody was all over the place so because of that they they couldn't tell exactly when Deborah was going to start. Barad, everybody was going to feel the barad exactly at that moment. They would know when it begins to fall. That's why he scratched it and he said, this is what's going to be. I don't really fully understand that, though. Does that make any sense to you? The hail is going to fall immediately when the sun hits that area? Well, I I don't know how sundials work, but I'm pretty sure it works with the sun. Hail would not, if there's going to be hail, that means there are clouds all over the sky. So how in the world was there going to be hail exactly at the moment that the sun is hitting the wall? You hear my question? It's like a simple question that I don't understand. So the Ba'er Yosef says that's exactly the miracle. It was sunny and everything was perfect and then boom, the hail came. There was no warning. There was no cloudy and this and that and the other. It was just boom. Paro's looking at the wall. He sees the sun going down there, the sundial going to this exact spot. When it hits that spot, that exact spot, all of a sudden clouds filled the sky, hail started coming down, lightning and thunder everywhere, and it wasn't expected at all. There was nothing there. There were about ready to tell Moshe Rabbeinu that he was wrong and that Moshe Rabbeinu was 100% right. That's the very Yosef's idea in which he goes through and he says that's the idea. There's a Rav Hirsch that says a completely against this. But he says that this Mako was so completely unnatural that it couldn't have existed in any other place because there were no clouds really. It just formed out of nowhere. The Mosque says when it comes to Midrashim like these, you cannot fully understand what they're saying in Pshat. Could it be that the sun's out there and that's that? Yeah, it could be that way. But that's not what the idea is trying to say. They're hinting to something way deeper beyond the surface within Kabbalah to be able to understand what's going on behind this. Masako David says that this Rashi is really a Kabbalistic Rashi, a Rashi of Sod, I'm trying to understand. He says, Barad is a combination of fire and water. We all know that, right? Because the, the fire was within the water itself. And it refers to the two Shemos of Hashem, Yudke Vavkei, which is rachamim, which is water, and then Adin elokim, which is the fire. The, the combination of them both is what the bard stood for. It's not about the fact that when the sun hits exactly at that moment, that's exactly what it is. It's saying like this, Moshe Rabbeinu is telling Paro, when Hashem decides to put these two midos together, to put Hashem, rachamim, and din together, that there will be rachamim within the din. If you bring your animals inside, they're going to be saved. If you leave the animals out, they're going to die. Then the bird's going to come down and destroy them. There's a medrash to help about this, but I didn't have the safe around me, so I couldn't look it up, so I'm sorry. But I'll look it up later, and I'll try to do something else. It's an anaf os dath alf. Anyway, the Malbum says the most amazing thing in the world. Moshe Revenant said it would happen during a certain point of the day. It was going to happen right at that moment. That's going to happen. The problem is, lightning is always seen before you can hear the thunder. There's no way that lightning and thunder appears at the exact same time. Your sight is always able to see something before you can actually hear it. Does everybody understand what I'm saying with that? Now I know that you can technically count thunder, right? If it's right there right on top of you, the lightning and thunder can happen at once. But yeah. It has to happen afterwards because lightning causes the thunder. Right. Now 100%. Right, right. So there's no way the sound waves are impossible to be exactly at that moment. So there's no way you could have lightning and thunder at the same time. Not only that. Burud when it starts to fall right, obviously is not going to come down at the same speed as lightning. Lightning's going to quickly flash down, but the bar is going to take a little while to get there, right? Doesn't that make sense? Like, it wouldn't happen at the exact same time. Says the Malbim, the Egyptians could claim that Moshe bin was a liar. At the moment that the sunlight hits that spot, however the sunlight's going to hit that spot, at the moment that it hits that spot, right, they're going to see lightning bolts, but they won't hear the thunder and they won't see the hail. So they could go back to Moshe Beno and say, look, we saw the lightning, but you were wrong. You said the hail would be, oh, Mazel Tov. He just had a baby girl, everybody. But you saw that, you shouldn't have come late, but I mean, you know, I guess. But he said, right there at that moment, right? Right there at that moment, the lightning came down. It should be, it should be that there was nothing else. The thunder and the hail. And they could go to Moshe Binnu and say, you were dead wrong. Says the Malabu, MaKadosh Baruch made sure that all three happened at the exact same moment. At the moment that the lightning came down, a thunder was heard at that moment. And the Barad filled the entire earth. There was hail that came down with the lightning at the same time that there was thunder which is impossible for anything to happen. Says the Malbim that's exactly what happened. Hashem Nossan Esakolos HaKadosh Baruch who made it as if everything was happening right there at the moment that nobody would ever see and nobody has ever seen before in their lives because there's no way that this could happen naturally. And after that then it came normally where the lightning came down and then the thunder and then the Baruch and whatever it is. But this is the way that it happened in such a crazy way. But the Torah says this Mako was not against nature rather against what they were used to. Egypt is a land that seems to have the same basic weather pattern year-round. This is how the Torah more says it. And because of that, people got used to it. They knew what everything was going to happen. They knew that tomorrow was going to be this, tomorrow was going to be that, and that's that. I Actually, the guy who just sold me a car, his name was Hesham. He calls himself Mitch, but his name was Hesham. He's from Egypt, and he was telling me all about it. I said, tell me about Egypt, because I, I knew that this year was coming up. He said, tell me about Egypt and the weather, the weather there. He said, oh, the weather is beautiful. All year long, you never have to worry. It's sunny nine or ten months out of the year, and during those one or two months where you see it, right, even then, there's never, never anything over there. Never, but I'll get to that in a second, because Hisham was wrong. But either way, by bringing this borrowed. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was showing them they had no idea what was going to happen next. Meaning, the weather was something that all Egyptians could rely on. The Nile River they took away, HaKadosh Baruch Hu took it away. The animals' lives, HaKadosh Baruch Hu took it away. Their health, HaKadosh Baruch Hu took away. But the weather remains the same. It's still Egypt. And Egypt is filled with sun and heat. And a Baruch sparkle took it away in one second. In one second, he gave them a weather pattern that they could never see before and they'll never see again. It's as if they don't know what to expect anymore. That's how Bharat hit them and reverted back to they didn't know what, what's gonna be. Is it gonna be normal from this point on or not? They were so scared because they couldn't they couldn't tell what it was gonna be. reverse says that was the point of Bharat to show the Egyptians that at any point everything natural could happen according to God's word. If I wanna make it hail right now, I can make it hail. Whether it's the season or it's not the season. If the Ramban is the way we're going to go with this, this means this is toward the end of the winter, toward the spring, which could have been a time, which I guess, like mid-February, when in theory there could have been borrowed, but there never is that type of borrowed at that moment, this showed them that the land was not theirs. From then on, they really weren't in charge of anything, that anything they wanted to do never happened according to their will. They had to do whatever it was. And the says it came down from the heavens above this hail, and it sliced through anything that was in its way like a sharp knife. Oh, wait. I don't want to get to that yet. I don't want to get to that. Hold on. The Ibn Ezra says this was a shocking prediction by all accounts. It is well known that it doesn't rain in Egypt. That's the Ibn Ezra. The Ramban says this as well. And certainly doesn't hail. They have dew and sometimes light rainfalls, but nothing like this. The storm scared the living daylights out of them, right? And they'd never seen a storm like this in their lives. The Ramban says... The exact same idea, there's no one that knew such things, but this storm had happened in other places. Sodom, after all, did have sulfur and hail that came down and destroyed them completely. But the Medus says there was no hail like this anywhere in the entire world. But even though you would think, oh, this could have happened somewhere else, no, 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 not just in Egypt. There was no hail like this anywhere in the world. So this is what I found in my, let's say, precursory research, okay? I didn't really go through it so much. On Wikipedia, Egypt receives between 20 millimeters, which is 0.79 inches, and 200 millimeters, which is 7.87 inches, of annual average precipitation along the Mediterranean coast. Okay, That's around the areas like Alexandria and all the way up around the coast because that's by the Mediterranean Sea. Where Egypt was, where Pharaoh and all the other people would have lived, etc., by Cairo, or a little bit down south near the pyramids. So the average annual precipitation is 0 millimeters. That is 0.00, just so everybody gets that down. That's 0 millimeters in the central and southern part of the country because it is a massive desert, the eastern side of the Sahara Desert. The cloudiest, rainiest places are around Alexandria and Rafa. Although there are times where it does rain heavily in Egypt, for example, October twenty second, 2019, in which there were torrential downpours in Cairo, which never sees rain. Again, the average rainfall is 0.00, but there were torrential downpours there that incapacitated the country completely for a few days and left 10 people dead is an extremely rare occurrence. It happens, and it just happened four months ago. But it's a rare thing to happen. From the Royal Meteorological Society, which is in Egypt, warm front rain practically practically does not occur. Cold front rain forms only a small proportion of the total amount and occasions of rain. Most rainfall is non-frontal. If anybody's a meteorologist, they're probably like, I don't know. <laughs> but I have no idea what this means. And associated with upper cold troughs or lows, which seem to play an important role not only in Egypt, but all over the East Egyptian, the Eastern Mediterranean. On February twenty sixth, twenty 2010, 2010, okay, 10 years ago, a strong hailstorm killed four people and injured 50 on the streets of Cairo. Now, again, the area where the Egyptians were is not Cairo, but it is close to where they were, and there was hail. In Cairo 10 years ago, November 1923, there was a severe thunderstorm with hail in between Luxor and Aswan. Sometime around 1947, there was a hailstorm in Cairo with hailstones being an inch and a half in diameter. So it's not like it's never hailed before. How do we understand the Ibn Ezra and the Ramban? I would assume what the Ibn Ezra and the Ramban means is they've never seen it in their lifetimes. Did it hail sometimes in Egypt? It probably did. But did it hail like that? I don't know. Maybe you want to go I, – I don't know if this is like a double-edged sword. Do you want to say that there is such a thing as – weather changing because of the craziness of the world, so it's basically our fault and we're causing the hail to happen, but it never hailed ever before in Egypt, before the 1900s. I have absolutely no idea. I have absolutely no clue, and I don't want to say it. But what I understand the Ramban from the Ramban and the Ibn Ezra is that they're saying these people had never seen anything like it before, and according to the Medrash this type of hail with fire within the snow never existed before. That never happened before. This was unique and absolutely the craziest thing they had ever seen. They couldn't understand Does everybody understand what I'm saying with this? So in the end, is there hail in Egypt? Is there rain in Egypt? In theory, yeah. But it was so rare, it is so rare, and probably had never happened in their lifetimes before. Therefore, this hail shocked them out of their minds. And it was a crazy hail that they'd never seen anything like it yet. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the, the fact that whether hail had ever happened, did it happened, maybe it happened once in a blue moon, yeah. bottom line, it had fire and it, right. it went and That's what the Major Rabbah is saying. When I'm going with the Ibn Ezra and the Ramban who says because Egypt never gets hail or rain. So I'm pointing out they do get hail or rain, but what they mean is these people had never seen hail or rain before. They, it happens, but they weren't around to have seen it; that they weren't privy to that before. I think that's how they understand that how they would understand so it, they, because they it does happen. The fact that there was fire in the hail. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody accepts that. It's just a question of because there's two times where the pasuk says the words. It says, the and then it says, then it says So those two, I think that's what the Ramban and the Venez are catching on, and they're saying, "Why do you have to double up the pasuk?" And this is why, because in mitzrayim there wasn't but there were in other places but even that hail was never like this hail that they had in mitzrayim right so it's too it's like a double double issue over here what was the reason for the Maka? does anybody know what the reason for my hail was why did they do hail i mean one we already said because technically akadosh bark wanted to show that i control the weather patterns and that makes a lot of sense does anybody have any other idea why they would be hail? i'm sorry so the grains, because well, they were working on the grains, it? and therefore they knocked it out. That's awesome. That's one answer. The chidah. Well, uh, which one was that? Uh, the blah, 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 blah. that was Shmos Raba. Shmos Raba. The Medrash Raba says exactly that, and the Toldos Adam says the same thing. For yeah. All 10 marbles, just how would would really so that? that's what Rashi says by makas arba. That's exactly what he says over there. That they, yeah, that each one and this is the catapults that go inside the belistaroos that, that 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 the Medrash Rabba brings down. That's a hundred percent true, and that also could be used for over here. I have six other reasons. Yeah. To them, like fire and water and the same thing all the other ones you could explain maybe somehow some way. I hear what you're Down, saying like of meaning this, Aruv dever shin could be explained away right the, uh, there's a, yeah and without the midrashim damtsardea Arov dever shin all made sense there were makos that right. they could be used to but borrowed was, was so, so shocking right. they couldn't do it because of what was in there that's good that's 100% true and that's within Pshat in the puzzle because the shot of the hail was ridiculous the Chidah says that the mitreum were well known for Arias, which means illicit relations and they brought many people People who were mixed up, they didn't know who the real father was. For that reason, HaKadosh Baruch Hu the bard, which were two things that shouldn't mix together, to be mixed together in order to show them how they were together with each other's without knowing anything. Last David says there were two aspects of this hail that were Mita Kenegamita. They drowned the babies in the water, they sunk them into mortar. He says the water is the ice part of the hail. The mortar, it, like the sulfur, I guess, is the ash, the fire part of the hail. So the mixture together was how they killed the babies, this was able to get around that. The kiddos is just another answer, they tried destroying the Jews who were going to accept the Torah, which was compared to fire and water. Therefore, they were destroyed by fire and water together. The our says he used to hit them on the heads, knock them on the heads. They would scream at them when they were in the streets so they were hit on the heads by the hail. And also, the no- noises of the thunder was crazy. They couldn't deal with anything. We already mentioned the Abarbanel, uh, We already mentioned the Shach. The Shach says they didn't allow the Jews to rest under any shade or any of the trees or anything whatsoever. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu broke down the shade trees so no one would use them. We said the Shemos Shraba. And the Kliakas has a huge thunder because they wouldn't listen to the voice of HaKadosh Baruch, who's Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch who made sure that they wouldn't hear anything whatsoever. Okay. Our final thing, the last idea that we want to go through is going to take us a little bit, but this is a (laughs) nesbisoch nesakon rashi. There was a miracle within a miracle, meaning the ice and the fire within each other was a miracle within a miracle. Obviously, the ice should have been melted by the fire, or the ice should have put out the fire. It should have been one of the two. So what exactly is this? They made peace with one another, says rashi, in order to do God's will. But what's pshat? Mizrahi says that the two miracles were fire goes up fire Does not go down. The fact that the fire went down showed that this is a massive miracle and the fire and water interacted with one another. Then Akalasako says, mm, That doesn't make any sense to me because fire can go down if there's something to take it down with it. And if the hail was bringing the fire with it, then it would make sense that something was there. He says the double miracle was that the burr did not extinguish the fire and the fire did not put out the water, or, you know, I guess. Take care of the water. I guess that's the idea behind it. So it's a double miracle within that. The Balaturim says, it, 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 this is a weird one, but the way the Balaturim seems to say it is, the hail came, and as the hail came down, there was a fire that came from behind it. that remind you of anything? It sounds almost like it was a comet, like a meteor, I shouldn't say a comet, a meteor that came down into the atmosphere, right? And was able to hit down, and it was if an ice ball, with a fiery thing coming from behind it, little meteors were smacking the Egyptians. They were knocking them down. In fact, Rev. Aryeh Kaplan in the Living, to- or the Living Torah, which is the Miam Loes anthology that he translated until he passed away. So he translates and in his notes, he writes, these little meteors that came down. He actually learns that it's not that the ash was inside the, the hail, but the ash was coming from behind the hail as it came down, which certainly sounds like a meteor. And from this Balaturim, I think Revalu Kaplan makes a lot of sense. That's what it ended up being. What's up? Has anybody thought of the idea that maybe it was a volcano? That a volcano came down? Where's the ice? if it's a and volcano. maybe it went up high enough that it brought it down from the atmosphere. It be hard. It would, something would melt. But I, if we're going with natural occurrences, then I guess it could be, but like, if, if, if I mean, it's no if need. You're a, right, like, there would, would be, there be no need. Yes, what? you know, actually, now that you just said if you're going with this, Velikovsky, I believe, does bring down something about the Bored being the ash that came down from the volcanic eruption the Pompeii. at uh, it, Pompeii. It, yeah, it, yeah, I believe Velikovsky came up with that. So, good, wow. you're basically an apicoros. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that's, that's exactly what you wanted, right? You're, you don't believe in God? You think it's all natural, right? Well, the blood could gap it, and then the frogs run out, and the lice hits the people. Oh, <laughs> Velikovsky oh, was a—he oh. was a okay. an absolute absolute apicorus. I won't put you in that category, but <laughs> but <Okay>. then <it>, the, <laughs> the natural—the natural ability is to be able to say if it happened through a volcanic eruption, then it's possible that it would be through well, that. Like that does act yeah, if it if it happened means. through that, I just don't want to go in that direction. I want to go with, this is crazy miracles. I haven't gotten to the crazy stuff yet. Yeah. I was just saying, the, the, bar, the ice would ignite the so you're oh, Right, yeah. so if we're going with I miracles anyway, right. right we're go going to go with natural like things plus a miracle. Yeah, in a konami. It would be something like that. The Beyond the Ways, and I just quoted this before I because I skipped the page, it looks as if it, when it came down from the heavens, it sliced through anybody who was standing there. I should have like given her a warning. This is a little gory. But it went literally right through them. It froze anything it touched and then lit it on fire because the fire took it from behind. It affected both animals and people as well as plants. Anything that was outside was automatically killed. According to the Kaliukar, this means that technically all four of the Dalid misos happened for the Egyptians. Why? They were stoned from the heavens. Right? They were burnt on fire. Some of them were sliced through. That's herreg. Right? And then they were drowned in water. And that was the chenek, the ice water that they had over there. So all four of the Dalad Mises happened to them as this happened right over here. That's how the Kaliyaka puts it. The Sforno says the loud noise. Yeah. I'm sorry? Are they, are they, are they like, because they go to in like at, right no, 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 no. You know, this is a question that I asked Rav years ago. Rav Eichenstein reviewed. How, <laughs> if the Egyptians got all these punishments, then did they go straight to Gan because they got all their punishments in Lamhazen and Olam You said, no, we have to talk about this, and then unfortunately got sick, and I never found out the answer, but I think I have an answer, but I'm not going to answer for you right now. I'll answer you later. But I have two answers that I think both work for it. But that's the idea behind it. The Sforno says it came down the ground and made a loud noise that caused the sky around it to be filled with flames. There was everything, anything it landed on burst into flames. The Chizkuni says the first grain was crushed by the ice ball, and then afterward, all the grain around it was cu- was destroyed by fire. The Miyamoi says a third miracle. The hail was so si- Thick. It was six chafanim, six handfuls thick. Take a handful, take this right there. I, you could like pull it like that, whatever it is, right? And pull it one on top of the other. The hail was this thick. You ever seen hail that big? No, because you die. You've never. No one's ever seen hail that big. I've seen huge hail balls. Does anybody remember the hailstorm that was here in Lincolnwood about four years ago in the middle of the summer? Because Chicago was that weird thing. There was just uh, that downspout. They were huge. And I got stuck at Dairy Star, and I was sitting there with my kids, and all of a sudden, like, I pulled my... Th- and we sat in the car, and we saw these huge things coming down. Massive, massive ice balls that were coming down on top of the car. Thank God my car wasn't ruined because I used Kabbalah. But the other people, the people that were around there, these massive holes on top of their car it was crazy. There's a guy who bought a car here for, like, $15,000, a brand-new car. Because it was destroyed by hail pellets. It literally had hail pellets all around. It still looks like it's got hail pellets all around. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. That's how crazy this hail was. Six Kofunim. I can't even imagine it. Okay. Obviously, this is trying to mimic the effects of Gehenna. Gehenna, according to the Medjugorje Gehenna is you spend six months in ice and then six months in fire. So basically, you live in like Manitoba in Canada, does anybody know where that is? Saskatchewan with like Northwest Territories. And then you go down to like the equator. And you spend six months, six months, and you can't no air conditioning, no heat, no anything. That's what Gehenna is. And therefore, they came together in burud for them to get hit by it. So they get both effects all at once. The argument in the sense this hail came from the Otsros Shamayim Because it doesn't exist in our natural world. It came from above the heavens. And came down to destroy them. It's totally unnatural. The Shemishmul explains the idea. Since the production of this hail had to be a miracle. Of the absolute highest order. It had to originate from a world above the world. Where fire, fire and water are opposites of one another. Opposites in what they do. That water goes up and fire goes down. Up in the heavens itself. And allowed the bar to come from an area. That allows it to <coughs> Make that way. That's why Moshe Benoit did not import outside the city limits because the hail needed to be stopped. He needed to be lifted above the heavens to do so, but that's a story for another time. We're not going to go into that. Reb Wolfson in Amunisi Techa, page 196 says we know that every makkah may have been nuggle for the Egyptians, but Rafu, a healing for the Jews. It was a for the Egyptians, but a healing for the Jews. There must have been something special about this barad that allowed the Jews to get a tremendous refuel. Because the Kaddish Baruch who did this huge magepa, this huge plague for the Egyptians themselves, there's got to be something awesome to happen over here. So he says, each one of the seven makos had one aspect of the heavens. So we know this, right? There's chesed, gevura, teferes, netzachod, whatever. The seventh maka is mauchos. It showed the kingdom of a Kaddish Baruch. Until that point, they saw, and sort of like what you said before, things that were in the world that could be explained away. Barad was beyond the heavens. Barad coming from the heavens shows that Akadosh Baruch was in charge of everything. So it was nagu for the Egyptians. It knocked down and destroyed all the Egyptians. Thus, it was a refuah for the Jews. There was something awesome for them. They realized, that the malchus of Akadosh Baruch was true and that he ruled over everything in the world. That's when we end up getting over here. Oh, it's, it's, uh, there's an awesome going on, Shabbos, Kupi, Chesim, and Aleph, and I'm not going to get into the three different punishments that person gets, have Mishiach, Mashiach, cetera, and maybe that's the reason why, but yeah. Why did the people just rebel after this? Um, the Jews? Synagogue? No, not the Jews, the Egyptians. The Egyptians? Or, like, it's they not they Egyptians, rebel. it was Paro. Like, you like, meaning, why they didn't they rebel were, against Paro? Why, yeah, why did they just have, you know, I, you know, I, I, I bro- never bro- understand these types of questions, but it's very hard to start a rebellion that actually works. <laughs> could there be a rebellion that works? Yes, point, there could very I'm well sure be. There's, there's a way there's a way for it to happen I, I just, they didn't, they tried at the end by Macus Bahoros. the Bahoros went up against their fathers and tried to kill them and it didn't work they all died, they all were killed by their fathers and they were thrown into jail and then afterward Macus Bahoros happened and they died of uh, the full death so yes, there could have been something maybe they tried a revolt and it just didn't happen it's very hard to start these revolts I, I, I don't suggest it for anyone right? It's just not, not, a, not a big thing for anybody. Uh, there's still Miam Lois, guys, that the other there's another Miam Lois over here, the Ksaba Kabbalah, that was the deafening lightning, the deafening thunder, which the Khsam Sulfur goes into. It says, the Maral says in his agarra that people were passing out from the noise they couldn't take anymore. The tour and the Rashbam say it wasn't just hail. There was rain, thunder, lightning, huge hailstones, sulfur, snow, and ash that rained down from the heavens. Balitos is affected. All the plants were completely gone, except that which would have to the, that hadn't grown yet, that the arbed, the locusts, took care of a month later. And Tosos Hashalim says that it was uh, the gematria of 500 from Nassan Kolos. It says 500 years to get from one end of the world to the other. The cheshman of 500 refers to the size, how, how it went throughout the whole world. They could hear it throughout the entire world. I'm going to end like this. The Pusik says there never was hail like this. As you said before, the whole world had never seen hail like this. Torah Shlema says that in the future, by the war of Gog and Magog, and although the hail may have come down again by the times of Yoshua when he was fighting against the great nations, the five nations, etc., this Maka is going to come back with a vengeance. There is going to be a massive hailstorm that's going to happen by the times of and Magog and Mashiach. It will be the beginning of the end that causes everyone to cower in fear, but at the same time, it will cause people to realize that a Baruch Hu is the true king of the world. So get ready for it. Because in the end, when a Baruch Hu reveals himself to us that he's in charge of everything and everybody bows to his presence... We're going to see a Makas Barad that we've never seen before in our lives. Maybe the first part of the makkah happened for the Egyptians, we're going to get the end of it. You want to call that a meteor storm, a meteor shower that literally destroys most of the known world? You want to call it a volcanic eruption that allows all this hail stuff, the, the, the what's it called, the fire and stones to come down and re- knock down as many things as possible? I don't know. But something awesome is going to happen by the times of Gog and Magog. And hopefully we'll be there to see it without all the death and punishment. Hopefully it all comes to a point where everybody in the world realizes that the best thing is to just follow a Kaddish Baruch and be part of a Kaddish Baruch world. We'll stop with that, guys.